What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. fans how you doing it's your boy john of the macri with you for another episode of the Knicks film school podcast i am joined by my co-host uh the one and only he has he has been through quite a month but um and and quite a year as we all have but it's almost over right jeremy jeremy it's almost over yeah i mean 2020 is almost over the only thing that changes on january 1st is just the date you know it's just 2021 rolling over it's It's 2020 rolling over i guess you could turn a new page as more people test positive, but it'll be nice to see that fact of like, hey, we're hopefully in the year of a vaccine and life can towards the end of it resume to some semblance of normalcy. So, but you know, whatever, we're whatever here. normal is, we're here. Uh, yeah, these days. Um, well, let's look on the bright side. Um, the basketball of late has been good. And we get to A, we get to talk about actual basketball. Um, which is a welcome change, and uh, B, it, it is it is decent basketball, especially the most recent basketball that we that we get to talk about. Um, because when we recorded this last week, we were coming off of Game Two of the preseason, which was, you know, well, but, but probably I would say calling it a mixed bag was is a bit generous. Um, so we're going to talk about the last preseason, last two preseason games, and really focusing in on the last one because I think a lot of stuff happened that obviously matters. And then we're going to um, zoom out as Jeremy and I so often do because some other stuff happened in the NBA this week, which I think, um, you know, it. Not that it affects. It doesn't necessarily. It, how, how do we put this? Because it doesn't directly <laughs> impact the Knicks, but it could later. And it certainly could indirectly impact them. Yeah. And, and it's like if if they were, uh, let me put it this way, and, and then we'll get into it later. Um, I hope that the what happened this week didn't like have people inside MSG throwing up their hands and be like, oh, no, now what are we going to do? Because that would that would be a bad sign. That's that's what I was trying to say. And I couldn't find the words um, before we get there, though. We have. um an interesting situation on our hands. I'm going to start with this. Did you see this quickly thing at all coming out, coming out of like, if someone told you two weeks ago, like, yeah, um, we're, the fan base is going to be in such a place after four preseason games where not only are they going to like want Emmanuel quickly to start the season, but they will have overwhelming justification and evidence for this being not only the smart thing for like a tanking slash rebuilding team, but like it being like, like just the right thing to do. However you want to look at it. I didn't see it coming at all. I mean, just based on the fact that it felt like you've got Alfred Payton and Dennis with junior, and that's how you're going to work with it. And, you know, at some point, maybe the Knicks turn a corner and they say, you know what, we're just going to 
not so much give up on the season, but we're going to turn a new page and this will come towards the trade deadline. But before then, you would hope that quickly kind of made his way into the rotation. Um, and now it's, it's such a turnaround that it's like if he's not starting, it feels like a letdown because I don't know what more he could have done to assert himself in an open competition. If assuming there was an open competition, because, you know, Tibbs talked about four players who came to camp uh, in fantastic shape and quickly was one of them. He's clearly doing the work during practice. We've seen him um, after games when he's played or not reviewing film on two different screens. We know that he's working hard and we know that he's performing in the game. So to me, it's like, how exactly can you say, well, he did all of this, but we're going to rein him in a little bit because um, he's just not there yet. Because at this point, I get the meritocracy argument, but from Peyton's perspective, what necessarily has he shown that he is that much better than quickly or deserves to have that starting role? Because if it's a sunk cost thing, he's not making that much more than a manual quickly is. I, I, I was about to say, it's five, it's five right, million dollars. Like, it's One not, year, five million dollars. Right. Um, and if it's an age thing, I mean, okay, there's not even that significant of a difference. It's like five, six years. Uh, and we know that quickly can shoot it. And we know that, man, that um, uh, Alfred Payton cannot. And it's really nice to also cheer on a point guard named Emmanuel, by the way. So that's been a refreshing thing. Um, but no, it's, it's just um, he may not be the long-term option there. And I know people don't really need to hear that. And I don't really care. It's the sort of thing where just right now he fits because he isn't yeah. going to be that advanced playmaker, but he does enough and there's enough passing and facilitating around him where it masks some of that. And that's great for right now. And that's all we need to focus on. So I love the fact that he's emerged. I also love that um, some fans have gone in a, the span of a month from this idea of Kentucky nepotism and CAA and all of this. <laughs> and I, I know that, you know, he's more Kentucky than he is CAA, but the idea where now so many is of those fans, I, I can't remember. I don't we think should, he I'll, is. I'll look it up right look now. I, don't, but I actually The idea of know. at least him being Kentucky and now fans have gone from, I don't want him because of the idea it's nepotism to, I need him to start right now. It's it's amazing how quickly that can turn out. Um, no, no pun intended. Um, one, one thing I do want to point out. <laughs> I didn't even realize it. It's, this is going to happen. We're going to be doing it. We're just going to be doing this all the year. The next 20 years, this is going to happen. God, you know, God willing. And I think, and I think. <laughs> That's but, me you speaking know, into existence. But isn't like, listen, we joke, but isn't that, isn't that where, like, I, I made the comparison or maybe I didn't make the comparison. I can't tell. I can't keep track of the newsletters that I have in drafts and the newsletters that I have um, in uh, that I've actually published, but I, I made the comparison that this is so much more exciting for fans um, and really just any basketball observer, because we haven't seen, if it's Dennis Smith Jr. or Frank Nilakina, what I don't, they could have scored, you know, 30 points a game in four preseason games. We have those four preseason games to put up against three years worth of evidence for both of those players. And in Alfred Payton's case, uh, six, six years worth of evidence, whatever, so. six, six, seven. Yeah. Years. 2014. Too, too many. Um, by the way, Emmanuel quickly is agent. It's not CAA, but it is our old, our old good friend, Raymond brothers, Raymond. You, you're, you never, you never, uh, you never fail to uh, impress my man. Um, Raymond brothers. He was, was he Mitch's very first agent or was it like the second? I, I think he might've been the second one who got him second. in the door to the Knicks to and the, then he yeah. went on to the third, but uh, he was there for, he was Mitch's agent for like three weeks. It was long enough to get him drafted here. <laughs> um, <laughs> in any case. Um, okay. So um, 
also I did I point out I'm uh Emmanuel um starts with a an I um as opposed to Emmanuel. Well see that's why I said it. I was gonna write it out, but it was too complicated to have no. to deal with the spelling that I thought, you know, just saying okay. it phonetically. Just get, I want to get, get all these caveats out there. Yeah. Um I agree with you. It it's it is about right now. Um, and when I try to connect that to the decision-making process that Tom Thibodeau and the organization, because I think it's fair to assume at this point that just as Tibbs has admitted um, that he uh, wants some say in personnel and has been given a voice in the room, whether they're listening to him or not, who knows? Um, I think it's safe to say, say that um, the front office is also you know, being part of the decisions in terms of, I'm sure not like night to night lineups, but like, you know, might be good for us as a team, as a, as a franchise to see what this kid has in his rookie year. So as I'm thinking through like, okay, where's the decision-making process? Um, I think you could easily say that Tibbs may be worried about the effect that it could have on the locker room. Um, if he does start quickly and I guess Peyton. Here's the thing I can't see. I can't see Alfred Peyton being completely removed from the rotation because that's where I think you're like, you you may run into some issues with some of the vets there because he came in last year and the numbers, you know, they are what they are. And you could, you can do a whole thing about how they're not truly indicative of like how good of a point guard he was. And he has all these flaws and this and that he came in last year and, and, and Alfred Payton did as good a job as Alfred Payton was going to do. Um, so I, I just wonder if he's like, all right, Elf, you're, um, you know, we'll, we'll call you when we need you. I just, especially because that would mean, I think, unless I'm missing something, that Dennis Smith Jr. would essentially leapfrog Alfred Payton in the rotation, right? And is there a world where we see that happening? Let's start there. Forget about whether Payton's going to start or quickly is going to start. They're both probably going to play 20, 25 minutes a night, which means DSJ is out. Is that where this, that's where this has to be headed, right? I guess so. You know, for quickly, I really want him to start. I think he's earned it. It's at the at the end of the day, as long as he's getting playing time, I'm going to be happy and significant playing time at that. And he he's showing that that is something that he needs to do. The ability to put pressure, to have those floaters, to have an outside shot. Um, what he's able to do with Kevin Knox as well. If you have him off the bench, then that means that you're most likely going to see him paired with Kevin Knox, who's becoming a fantastic catch and shoot player uh, from three. <laughs> <All> especially <laughs> Right. Especially in the corners, which has been fantastic. He was yeah. he was very good from there. He was pretty good from there. His rookie year dropped off last year. Um, Throw last so, year. Can we just pretend last year with Kevin Knox didn't happen? I'd like to. Um, as, as I was, a, all this, let's all decide that. Yeah, because I was looking at cleaning the glass, and there are eight um, accuracy categories per year. So Kevin Knox has 16. Uh, in 14 of them, I want to say, he was below the 50th percentile. And the other two, yeah. he was... Um, he was like 55th, 57th. It wasn't yeah. pretty. There's no so, orange on that page. I've looked at it several times. It's like a very, very white almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not, it's in between orange and blue in some degree. So yes, there's more to be done obviously for him, but in terms of Dennis Smith Jr. Yes, he's done a nice job defensively. The shot doesn't look broken, which is a low bar to pass, but in terms of playmaking and how you can also be more versatile. I mean, 
the idea of what is better, really. Because if you do have quickly starting, yes, what is a better option? Is it Dennis Smith Jr. or is it Alfred Payton? On one hand, you've got Dennis Smith Jr. where you hope to rehabilitate him into some type of player long-term, although that's certainly dubious. I doubt he'll be here long-term. Um, but the other idea is if you have Peyton, maybe you can run a better offense because, and we've talked about this before, the idea of what Peyton is like, if he's in the wrong role, he'll be rightfully so maligned, but if he's in, I'm sorry, if he's in the right role, he'll be, he'll be fine. But if he's doing something that he shouldn't be, then it's a problem. So if you run him off the bench with some shooters, with a rim running big, like Mitchell Robinson, if he's not starting over Noel, if you get Knox and, Bullock, yeah. And maybe if Bullock's replaced by Austin Rivers when the time comes, um, that sort of thing where you can get players, Obi Toppin, then it might make more sense to have Peyton. But it, for me, it's maybe not so much the, the merits of starting Peyton um, and the honor of that, but just simply going with fit. The honor. <laughs> <laughs> going with how you can maximize RJ Barrett and thus your team because he's looking great. We saw Julius Randle in a, a seemingly new role. Uh, and I think the bigger thing is, and, and we talked about this around the time Peyton was signed, which is how so many of the minutes have been between Peyton and Randall. There hasn't been a whole lot of separation with Peyton on the floor without Randall. And yeah. with Randall, we're seeing him in a nice role where he's not taking a ridiculous amount of shot attempts. He's playing within the flow of the offense and he's yeah. starting to look like a playable guy who can well, actually contribute to more winning basketball. It was one game. Where of course it's a lot looks, to extrapolate on, but yeah, and there were, and I went back and I'm I'm watching some of the tape, and there's even some, you know, I mean Julius is Julius is going to Julius. That's just, but even yeah. the whole preseason, you know, he's not the guy who's leading the team in um, field goal attempts. He's no, got no, more no, assists. I, it's not an indicator of his passing. And I know you're, I know what you're saying. I think it's by more, and large he's been good. Right. It, I it seems like he's being reined that. in, and I think Peyton not being with him is a huge factor. A hundred percent. So then that gives us a situation where you have quickly starting. If, if he goes with this, which again, I don't think he would have run quickly out there with the starters. If he didn't want to, cause he could have just sat out Dennis Smith jr. Right. Could have sat out Dennis Smith jr. Could have played Peyton started Peyton and just played quickly 25, 30 minutes, but he wanted to see quickly in the starter. Now that could just mean that he wanted to put quickly in the best position possible to succeed and give him every chance to be like, all right, we're going to put you in this spot. And, and if you do well, or basically we want you to do well with it. So we want to try to give you the chance to do well. Um, but I also, you know, I think he, he must've been thinking about it before that. And then quickly does what he does. So then you get, you break up Julius and Alfred, which is good. You get quickly with RJ, which is good. You get more shooting on the floor for RJ, which is good. And then you also get um, uh, quickly and, and Mitch, which I think, we like the one thing you don't get there. And granted, we still got it the last game because of just the kind of the way the minutes went um, is you don't get quickly primarily on the floor with Knox. Um, that said, if, as you say, you have Peyton as the um, second unit um, point guard with Noel, Obi, Knox, and um, I, a, a shooter, whether it's, I, I guess in that scenario, maybe it'd be Austin Rivers. I guess maybe there's a, I mean, we, we don't, we've talked about the rotation before. Let's just wait and see what happens, but let's assume it's a shooter. I, I think that's a better situation for Peyton um, than in the starting lineup. Um, yeah, I guess if, I don't know if I, I got to tell you though, if I was a betting man, I think I would bet right now that Peyton starts opening night. 
I know people yeah. are going to hate me for saying that, but if that, if, if I had, if you just gave me money and you're like, you place on one of these two things and I'm not saying that that's what I would do. I would start quickly. I just, I, I don't know. I don't know. There's some eating at me, you know, yeah, should versus want, I think are very different yeah. know, or at least what will happen versus what we want to see happen. Completely different things. I expect to see Alfred Payton have the starting job. I just feel that Emmanuel quickly did everything in his power to supplant Alfred Payton and it looked great. Oh, he, he couldn't have done fantastic. it. Right. So well, he could have hit those two free throws, you know, I mean, I expect better from someone who's that. 90, that was a, 92, 93% in uh, last year in college. Um, yeah, no, a thousand percent. And I just, but the other thing that, that leads me to think maybe I'm wrong. Tibbs isn't fucking around. He wants to win. He wants his point guards to be able to score in a variety of ways. So, like, I don't know. It's like, it, you know, again, I'm leaning that it'll be Peyton. I just, you know, it's like 51-49 for me at this point. Just, you know, neither one, um, neither one would shock me. Other than quickly, what's, what's the next most significant thing to you that we've seen um, this preseason? I would say I was kind of hoping to see a little bit more from Toppin. It's still early. I mean, there's plenty of time, um, at least on the offensive end in terms of what he can flash. I, I've loved the passing. I've loved the ability to play in transition. He, he he feels kind of awkward when he runs, but he's so damn explosive that it like it's just not aesthetically pleasing, but at the same time it is. <laughs> um, you know, that that's sort of something that stuck out to me. But other than that, you know, there, there wasn't, a whole lot that I found problematic. And that's sort of what happens when you start to see wins come together. But the fact that the team was moving the ball quite frequently. Um, the Seventh spacing, and assist percentage in the uh, preseason, which is, again, they were bottom four the last two years, yeah, including or, last two years ago. So Again, four preseason games, but defensive rating. But that's, that's, well, that's, the, yes. That was, wasn't that number one? Well, it's number two now number only two. because Detroit played us twice. So. Right. <laughs> But they're, the Knicks and the, the Pistons were the only two teams not to allow um, 100 more points. Than, yeah, 100 yeah. points. So there you go. That's great. Um, you know, the little foundational things that might not seem significant right now. And they could also hold absolutely no water when the time actually comes. But you can feel like you're building some sort of foundation. And that's great to see. Yeah. So, you know, we'll obviously talk about what the team will look like long term, short term, whatnot. But uh, the spacing thing, it's just, it's going to become one of those things where it was always going to be a wreck in a lot of ways, um, just based on the personnel and the fact that there have been three different regimes in the last four years. So when you have a roster that's completely in flux, you're not going to have the same vision and it's going to take time to um, build out that vision. And right now we're, we're really at the very first year of the Rose administration and we'll see where it goes next. I think the most important thing for me moving forward would be if they like you can go from Peyton to quickly, pretty quickly. Um, you could do that. You could start Peyton. Listen, it was a softball. Um, if you, you could go with Peyton game, maybe not game one. And then if it doesn't go well, like, you know, change in game two, like, uh, like Fisdale did um, last season. But no, I think you could, you could start Peyton first four or five games, see where you're at. And then be like, all right, we're going to make the change. And then that's fine. I think if you start quickly, like, that's it. I don't think, like, I, I think it would be 
counterproductive to then start dicking around. So I think that's the other thing, I guess, that has me leaning a little bit towards Peyton is it feels like once he goes that route, that's it. He's going that route. And, you know, it against, you know, they're starting out against what the Pacers and the Sixers, I think are their first two games. Um, Those are like really good teams. Like what, how does the offense and for that matter, the defense respond when they get hit in the mouth Um, and like these teams bear down, like the Sixers are an absolutely hellacious defensive team. Like they're really good. Um, And do do, if with quickly on the floor, do they revert back to, does he just defer to Randall? Does he defer to RJ to a certain extent? Like that's like, this was against the Cavs and it was against the Cavs without their like heavy hitters. Um, Kevin Love and Andre Drummond for all their faults are still pretty damn good players. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's going to be interesting, but the other thing I just wanted to mention before maybe we move on to the bigger picture stuff is I thought, um, we talked about Knox RJ, I think was solid. I thought Mitchell Robinson, the last two games really came out and played about as well as he could have played too. And I know more focus has been put on who's going to be the starting point guard in opening night. And as it should, because there's there's more of a, a drastic change in styles. But I think there's like I don't I don't know what do you think he's going to do there. I'm not, I'm not I don't really have an answer. I'm I'm honestly not sure. No clue, honestly, because it's a sort <laughs> of good thing content where, here, folks. Of we, we're the experts. This is why you right. come to us. Um, game three didn't start off great for Mitch, and then he was frequently in foul trouble, and then yeah. he did an incredible job of staying in the game late. You know, yeah. he didn't have Nerlens Noel. Omari Spellman, who's supposed to be your backup five, played five minutes the entire game and then, you know, didn't appear again. Um, This the fact that he was able to stay in there and defend and rebound at a high level. He played smart basketball and it was great to see. And ever since then, where he had that like, what, eight minute stretch in that fourth quarter. And then he technically fouled out and then, oh, wait, he didn't because he actually drew uh, a flagrant foul. And that was great, too. Um, after that, I mean, he didn't have any fouls the next in the first half. I'm pretty sure the whole game he didn't have. He any didn't, fouls he didn't have well. a foul in, in the game game at all, and was again just. I was going back and watching. He just. He, it looks like it's starting to come together. Preseason game, granted, but for him on defense, you could tell when he's like engaged, when he's locked in, when he's like aware of everything that's going on around him. He's doing all those little things. To say nothing of the fact that it's just like he's Mitch. So when he's out there, you're going to have that offensive rebound. You're going to have that vertical threat that like, again, nobody, there's two or three other guys in the league that are that. So I, but that's another one, right? It's like, if he starts Mitch from game one, it's like, oh, just yeah, stay with it. Like, don't, don't jerk it around. Don't, you know, just, I, I so I, it's going to be interesting. I, I mean, RJ and, and Julius are going to start. Do you think it matters who starts at the two? I kind of do. I, you know, in the sense that Bullock had a nice game four. Yeah, nice game. He was also the product of everyone having a great yeah. game four. Yeah. Um, so for, you know, I mean, Burks, I think, can do a little bit more on the ball, which is important because especially if you're going to have Alfred Payton in there, you're going to want probably a better shooter in someone like Burks and have Bullock off the bench. You know, I, I think it's it's not so much a coin flip. I'd prefer Burks in there, but it's not 
so big of a deal where it's like, oh my God, I can't believe they're starting one over the other. It's probably just Burks would be the starter if not for the fact of him having a child, which is great. Congrats yeah. to him. Yes. Other than that, you know, the Bullock will be a nice piece off the bench until Austin Rivers comes into the equation and we'll see what happens there. The, the Rivers thing is probably the uh, last thing I'll say before we move on. The Rivers thing is probably the most fascinating part uh, puzzle piece left just because you wonder his absence, you know, it's going to take time. I mean, we haven't um, heard if he's doing like five on five yet, um, but it's, he's a, you know, he's kind of a unique player for this roster because he's not as good of a shooter as Burks and, and theoretically Bullock, even though Bullock has had, you know, some cold stretches. Um, are, you know, I, I, he's an interesting piece because like you like, it's, is there a world where he's like the, where it's quickly starting and then like Austin Rivers is your backup point guard. Like I, that, I, I don't know. Um, it wouldn't shock me, but it, I'm curious to see which way, um, which way Tibbs is going to go. Um, before we get to the big picture stuff, um, very, very quick word. Austin Rivers is still injured as was um, half of the uh, Knicks roster the other night thankfully i should say because uh without those injuries we would not have gotten you know emmanuel quickly time um however uh those folks that were injured because they have you know the best doctors on the the Knicks staff they will recover but when one of us gets injured because of someone else's negligence it could be a life-changing event where you're out for more than just you know a couple of games. And when that happens, you want a strong legal team fighting for you to make sure you receive full compensation for your injuries. You want to be able to call that legal team whenever you want. You don't want your file to be just one of hundreds on a shelf, and you don't want your lawyers to be afraid to go to court. The legal team at Faruqi and Faruqi gives every client their personal cell phone numbers to call 24-7, limits the number of clients they represent at one time, and has a long track record of taking on insurance companies, corporations, and the government in court and winning. And while prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome, you could learn more about them by going to nylegalteam.com. Again, you can visit Faruqi and Faruqi Law's website at nylegalteam.com. Um, I hope RJ Barrett doesn't have any claims. He's third in minutes in the preseason. That's a lot of minutes already. Starting controversy. I'm, st- I'm, 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 I'm rattling the tree. Well, he's performing to such a degree that I don't think it's going to be a huge issue. <laughs> no, I, 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 uh, I, I don't. Eight think of eight from his last uh, two games in terms of free throw attempts. Thirteen he's, of fifteen from the entire preseason. He's been great. Yeah, he's, it's just he, the three point percentage. And again, I don't. I, I really do believe come. that will come in time. It's going to come. It's going to come. He's I, RJ's. RJ's been great. Okay, um, the Knicks are um, not going to be good this year, and that is because they do not have a star player. Um, there was some talk about them getting a star this summer and they bypassed the opportunity to potentially trade for Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, um, maybe others that we don't know about. And um, there was some thought. Is that, can I say that? Yeah, sure. There was some thought that they were saving up their bullets for big free agent plans next summer. And uh, some of those guys went off the market in the preceding weeks. And then this week, what was, it was this week, right? Giannis? It, was, it feels like forever. It was a Monday, Tuesday. I, I, I lose track. It was Monday. It was Monday. Okay, was so that's Monday. why it yeah. seems like a while ago. Um, the big one went off the market. Giannis and Tedekumpo. Um, Again, not that 
anyone inside the Knicks or out should have ever thought that he was going to come um, to the Knicks. And then uh, earlier today, we're recording this on Sunday. Um, Rudy Gobert signed a, I can't even, this is insane to me. <laughs> a five year, is it two, 204? 204, 205. 204, 205, whatever. At that point, does it even really it's an matter? It's average annual value of $40 million a year um, for, um, I mean, he's, the, he's still the best defensive center in the NBA, so there's that, um, and that has real value, and it's Utah, and what else are they spending their money on? But, I mean, hey, um, it's a lot of money. For, so, and again, you're probably sitting there and you're like, okay, who gives a shit? They weren't getting Giannis. They have Mitch. Um, God knows at that price. And, you know, you could say the same thing about Paul George. Did the Knicks want to pay Paul George, whatever the hell that contract was? No. Um, you know, the only one that happened this summer, much to your chagrin, which maybe we thought we had a chance at was Anthony Davis because of the Kentucky thing. And then that went out the window. All this does is it basically sets in reality which is that there was no there was no panacea coming next summer by the via free agency. Like, yes, I know Kawhi Leonard is still out there and crazier shit has happened. But like, I, I hope the Knicks aren't banking on Kawhi Leonard coming here. Right. And then after that, you get to who do you get to? You get to Victor Oladipo um, and, and you get to Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, you get to. A, Mike Connolly, Kyle Lowry, you know, these are, these are, these are your guys. Um, and maybe the restricted free agent market yields a, a, a possibility. Although again, not that again, anybody should have wanted him. Kyle Kuzma just signed an extension. So, you know, this is what it is, right? This is what it is. So I'm not, I, I don't think this is anything that anybody should be, like, oh, crap, there go the team's plans, because I don't think they were ever really, if they're smart, counting on this or banking on something big. I, I always thought it was more using their cap space to facilitate a trade. But I, I want to get your thoughts, uh, because I know you, you put more thought into this than just about anyone. Yeah, again, th- plans that we talked about in the past, they were always in the hypothetical and always on the side of the pessimism. Uh, except for maybe Anthony Davis, which is like, well, if he wants to get that 10 per, that uh, 10 year max, 35% contract turns out he'd rather not gamble on his health and secure the bag. Totally makes sense. Good for um, him. Exactly. Good for him. It's, it's tough. Um, I think the bigger factor here is that the 2013 and 2014 draft classes were on the whole so bad that this is around the time we're going to start feeling the burn. Because look at what past free agencies have been. And, you know, they've been fine. This year has been, was pretty weak. Um, The year before was the big one. We saw 45% of the NBA switch teams and they were going to sign to multiple contracts. So of course, 2020 was going to be weak as a result. And then teams are keeping their players for 2021. So the market is shrinking before we even get there. So uh, one of the things that I kind of laid out was, I went to, I just looked at a top 100 list and I found CBS. They had a good list. I didn't agree with every single thing that they had on there in terms of ranking, but I took the top 30. And this is the top 30 for this season. Keep in mind, it's not going to be the top 30 four or five years from now. So if things look different, um, that's probably why. But the thing is that based on how contracts are lapping or or going to end up, it's not going to be the best situation for the Knicks for two, maybe three years. 
Um, so let's let's quickly get into it, John. So you know we were talking about 2021. You've got Kawhi. He's not going to leave. I don't see why he just would. Doesn't feel just doesn't feel like it's in the air. No. Um, you know. So if he's not going anywhere, then you've got Kyle Lowry. I took the top 30 of this list, by the way, okay. and I found every projected free agency year and uh, the age that they'd be during that projected free agency year. Yes. Um, Lowry, Kyle Lowry, I believe, is 35. He's going to be 35. 35. Right. There you go. And now if you're Toronto, your chances of Giannis are gone. So what are you really saving up all your money for? If you want to bring back Kyle Lowry, you can afford to do that. Yeah. Then, you know, there's some of the players you mentioned, but none of them – None of them cracked the top 30 this year. None of them is really going to be that, that guy who can actually start to change the trajectory of your franchise. Yes. And that's because that's ultimately what we want, right? We're looking for stars and superstars, guys yep. who are in that more upper and upper, upper echelon of players. Yep. So um, from the Knicks perspective, you know, they're likely going to get a top 10 pick this year. That's fine. Have tons of cap space, but no Can you imagine if they stars. didn't get a top 10 pick? That would mean that they would not have finished with one of the five worst records and they would have gotten as unlucky as is possible to get or, or they surpassed expectations and did well. Right. But it's, well, that's what I'm saying. It means they did not finish with one of the five worst records, which I thought you meant in terms of like, I can't believe they didn't finish poorly enough to fall far enough where they still fell into the top 10. Yeah. I think we could all agree that if the Knicks don't finish with one of the five worst records in the league this season, that would be something of a miracle. Um, Anyway, continue. Sorry. Yeah. So top 10 pick. I think we can, that's safe to say. Sure. Uh, tons of cap space, but no stars to really spend it on. Yep. You've got the Mitchell Robinson contract coming up. If for some reason Mitchell Robinson is not on this team, what are you replacing him with? How are you going about that? And then you should ultimately bolster your backcourt. They're the stars. I shouldn't say stars. The players who are out there in free agency this upcoming 2021, they're mostly backcourt players, which is great because the Knicks yeah. could use some help in the backcourt. So that lines up really nicely. Um, then you've got 2022, right? You've got Steph Curry, who seems he wants to sign an extension. He's made that pretty clear recently. He is. He, he is. I, I think he's going to be the last one. The last one. He Like Dirk, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, whole, I see. Yeah. Whole career. I think Steph might be the very last. I mean, well, Dame. Sorry, I forgot about Dame. Because um, Dame's going to retire after Steph. Um, and or, okay, you never know. Either way, those those are your last those are your last two um, who are going to stay with their team the whole time. I don't think we're ever going to see that again, right. just for what it's worth. Exactly. He's, um, he's 34 anyway. Then you've got James Harden, who made it abundantly clear he doesn't want to be in New York, and the Knicks would have to give up enough pieces. And how are you matching a star around him? Because you've just traded so and, much for James Harden. And do you want to like? And this is a, do you want to give a max contract to 33 year old James Harden? No. No, we don't need to talk about this now, but it's just the fact that he right. asked the question. And again, all of this is subject to change. It's very touch and go. There's plenty yeah. going on here, but uh, these players aren't not going to be the ages that we're talking about. Yeah. Um, then you've got Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Butler, who's going to be about the same age as James Harden would be. He could opt out in favor of a bigger max contract. Also, you know, maybe he has James Harden on his team as a teammate. Then you never know. They can hit the open market at the same time. Um, after that, you've got Bradley Beal. Beal's a great candidate. It seems like Beal is constantly in trade rumors. The idea of, okay, well, you could bring him in. That certainly works. But Washington, I don't know if they'll keep him long-term. He seems to want to stay there, even though fans and media alike try to kind of force him out. 
Uh, but he'll he'll be on the younger side. He'll be only twenty. He will. But can I just interject very briefly? It, it seems pretty clear to me at this point when we look at an NBA free agency that the biggest stars don't hit the market unless their teams are contending. And here's what I mean by that: because if you have a bit one, of, if you have a Bradley Beal, right, or for that matter, a James Harden, um, like. The only and like it, Brad, the the Wizards are going to know if Bradley Beal is going to sign an extension there, probably within the next five, three months. I, possibly, well, or you know, it's possible at the very least they're going to know by next summer, by this summer. So, like, I it's like the notion that he's ever going to even hit the open market. Like, if at some point the Bradley Beal sweepstakes happen. They're going to happen. And I guess, sure, there's always the possibility that we get another Kawhi trade, even though Bradley Beal's not of that that ilk, where you have a team saying, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to just try to win the championship this year. And if the guy leaves, he leaves. And that's fine. Most teams don't operate like that. And and the, the only guys you've gotten that have actually hit the open market are your Durants, your Kawhis, your, um, your uh, Kyrie Irvings, um, where the those teams were thought they could win a championship in those years. So they weren't like, they didn't have to ask themselves the question of, Oh, should we entertain trading this guy? Because like they were trying to win. So I, I, I don't, I just want to put that out there because I think as we continue, whether it's 20, 2021, 22, 23, that backdrop has to apply like to, to it's not, there's no more of like, we're just going to assume that these guys are going to be on the market because we should not history. Recent history says otherwise they're going to get the bag. And then when they want to leave, they're just going to be like, all right, I'm ready to go now. Send me where, you know, and they could do that. The only question is when is the, when is the first guy to do it with four years left on their deal instead of two. So, but I digress. Sorry. It's true though. I mean, look, Jeru holiday just got traded from the Pelicans to the bucks he could hit the open market hypothetically, but you think he's going to leave the best player in the NBA? (laughs) That's the situation, right? If you trade Bradley Beal to a team that's really good, why is he going to say, okay, I'm going to leave this team now, even though they traded for me and go elsewhere. He's probably just going to resign when that season ends because he'll be comfortable. That's why you bring these guys in too. You try to say like, well, we're bringing you in because we prioritize you. And this is what we want to do to to build around you as part of the package. And so it doesn't make sense to, you know, because again, either he's with the Wizards with the intention of re-signing, or he just goes somewhere else, and chances are it's a much better team, and he resigns there. So, I, you know, that's why I've never felt like he is a good possibility for the Knicks. It's just yeah, crazy things can happen, but it just doesn't seem like to be a realistic possibility. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of 2022 as well, you've got Chris Paul, who's 37 years that's, old. Who knows what's going to happen there? That's, yeah. It's safe to say, move on. No. <laughs> right. And so then if you're the Knicks, you, you're hopefully taking that next step where you're in play in territory uh, for the tournament. You have plenty of payroll, um, or excuse me, cap space that is at your disposal, which is great. You have to pay Kevin Knox. You've got some B list, uh, B tier free agents like Zach Levine, Marcus Smart. But in 2022, a, yeah. yes, but it's a really weak year for the most part outside of the guys I just listed. Levine uh, is a guy two. I could see hitting the market, by the way. Me too. Yes, especially because the Bulls, depending on where they're at in terms yeah. of um, their rebuild, you just never know. We know the Knicks supposedly had interest before. Um, obviously, there's the Tibbs factor. 
crazier things have happened. We also don't know what type of talent the Knicks will have at that point. Whereas like they could draft someone in 2021 and it could be a point guard um, or it could be some sort of wing who's actually like would be starting maybe on another team, but because of the fact that there's better talent in front of him, he's coming off the bench in a different role. And if if Zach Zach Levine is your uh, savior, maybe, uh, you know, ask yourself some, some different questions. Right. And I think the (laughs) other thing too, with a player like Levine, and this is kind of what my thinking has been because of what free agency looks like over the next already two years, where it's pretty depressing, you could still sign that type of player to a longer term contract and use him as an important piece. And also at the same time as salary filler for a bigger trade. Yes. Sort of like what we just saw with the Chris Paul trade, you know, yes. Ricky Rubio is not this player that you would salivate over. And yet he was just flipped immediately after back to the Timberwolves. He had value. He wasn't the most important piece, but that was enough to get the ball rolling. Yeah. And yes. And it's Levine is obviously your, better shot right. creator and the whole thing, but of course, um, but it's turning your free aid, your, your cap space into value, which then can be further turned into something of more value. That's which, the goal. That's the idea of why you would sign someone like Zach Levine in this case. Yeah. And, and just, and so hopefully what this little exercise has made very clear is if anybody thinks the Knicks are just going to sit around and wait for the next opportunity where they could pitch someone in a meeting. Um, I, I got another thing coming to you, but again, I don't, if you've been listening to us, you've been reading what I've written of late. If Jeremy, I think feels the same way. Um, I don't think that was ever the plan. And I think that's why you, you know, you hear Tibbs outwardly say things in press conferences, like we have to be aggressive in all areas. Um, and, you know, it, it, I know that scares some folks, but <laughs> what else do you want them to do uh, here? Because, it's yes. A, next, the twenty-one draft will be obviously the most important moment that the franchise has had since. I I'm, I I guess when they took Porzingis, right? Um, arguably, like, and I don't know if you want to say the lottery will be the more important moment. Uh, I would actually argue with the depth that it's shaping up to be, um, the the actual draft night will be the most important because I, they will they will have a chance to take a transcendent player if like in almost all likelihood. So that's a huge part of it. And I, I think they are gearing up towards that, but I also think that they are, are going to continue to be aggressive on the, on the trade market. If, and if, and when opportunities present themselves for this exact reason, for this exact discussion that we just had. And it's a matter of what, you know, what can you get um, to try to make it so that, whether it's Levine in two years, he is projects. He projects to be your third best guy, right? Because you will have drafted a star in the next year and you will have potentially traded for another star ish player um, over, you know, at some point between now and then, right? That's the goal. It's not, like there's no nobody's nobody in MSG. I don't think is sitting around being like, all right, well, I guess let's let's you know, queue up the next time we could we could we could show our uh, what do they show LeBron James Sopranos presentation? Yeah, I hope they should go dig that one out again. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know what else needs to be what else needs to be said. Well, I think the fact is that with all of these teams, it's incredibly rare to find a, a contender that where their three best players are all homegrown. You know, like it's happened before, of course, Oklahoma City. That was a 
That's, you know, the, that's the obvious one. Uh, Chicago Bulls, when Derek Rose, Luol Deng, Joakim Noah, like it can happen. It's just on the rarer side, you're going to find even the Warriors, you know, I mean, they had Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Yes, but they also had the benefit of Andre Iguodala off the bench. And he was, I mean, he was their finals MVP that first season that they won. So it's the sort of thing where it's nice to have this homegrown idea, but eventually these players are still assets and you try to pool them together and flip them for from quantity to quality. And the one benefit that the Knicks really have over the next few years, because they have no choice but to draft and develop their talent and here and then trade and maybe make some upgrades and free agency on the smaller end. But the benefit there is as they're doing that, they have all these rookie contracts and rookie scales, while the bigger contracts of some of the stars that are actually maybe potentially available in like 2023, 2024, the the cost of getting those assets, it goes down, which benefits the yeah. Knicks. Because if we're talking about, all right, well, the Knicks aren't really going to try to strike on a star until maybe like 2023 in terms of trading for someone. You look at the players who are maybe oh, expiring. Wait, in terms of trading or signing? Well, trading, because signing is, again, based on how it's going to all line up, because in terms of 2023, the- That's Embiid and Jokic, and I think right, that's it. Right. Yeah. So you could try to expedite something where you say- you know, we've got RJ Barrett and his um, cap hold, which would be around $32 million, $33 million. Um, the max contract should actually be less than that. So you'd probably extend RJ the year before or before. I was about to say, they could, they could um, extend RJ if this season, well, no, not this season. They could extend RJ the following in one. the following year. Yeah. Yeah. That sort of thing where, you know, you've got some money on the books. Who knows what the situation is elsewhere, where if you really wanted to do something in 2023, like, if you thought Embiid was possible, obviously a Leon Rose client, and the Suns are in disrepair, and you sense that Devin Booker is going to bolt after one year, you say, all right, well, let's trade Levine and some other assets that we have. Also keep in mind that the Knicks have a ton of 2023 draft picks. I don't think it's a mistake, or I don't think the only reason that they have been collecting <laughs> 2023 picks is because of the idea of a double draft. I think yeah. that they are fully aware yeah, that Devin Booker and Carl Anthony Towns are free agents that they're year. Getting and, their, they're getting their bullets ready. Right, and that's the perfect time. You know, you That's also another reason why you sign players to longer deals like in 2022. If you had a Levine signed him to three years, you can flip him on draft night. You don't have to worry about like, yep. well, we have to clear the space for him and all these other things. It's just, it's smooth. It's an easy transition to do that type of plan. The one disagreement I have with you is I think, I, and I'm, I'm sure I've said this before, I think they're, they're going to make a trade in the next, like I think by opening night next year, I think someone, I said this on the, the crossover pod we do with Locked On, I think by opening night next year, they will have traded for, I don't know who, but I think they will have traded for a guy. But see, unless note. it's someone like, Levine, I don't know who that really is going to be. I think the NBA the stars, it's just like, who really is there? I going think to be available. The NBA is a funny place and things could be hunky dory one week. And then, you know, the next week it's like, oh, so-and-so requested a trade. Really? Like, you know, look, I know we're a dysfunctional franchise, but think about where things were with Porzingis the week or forget the week, the day before that trade. Right. You never know what could actually be going on. Sure. But as you've also said in the past, where you're at this point where it's like the first or the last two years of a player's contract is really when you start to see movement before then, when it's like three, four years and left on the deal, there's not really a chance in hell. But so based on how these contracts are lining up, 
where you've got that, we're a year away or two years away from that free agent hitting the market. There aren't that many options out there. Yes. And that are like stars who are also worth being traded for. Unless, <laughs> look, I don't, I don't disagree with you. Your, your, your premise is sound and history bears it out. But I think that gets back to the Knicks needing to continue to up the, um, up the asset portfolio of what's in house right now, which is what, which is what gets us back to what, you know, this conversation started with, which is like, Oh, Mitchell Robinson looks good. Kevin Knox is good. Emmanuel quickie looks good. RJ Barrett looks good. I'll be topping. Hopefully a week or two from now, we'll be saying the same thing about him. Like, it, you know, if you think, if you think these five guys are going to be here on the Knicks in, five, in four or five years, you know, it's like the starting five. I got, you know, I got news for you. It's just, that's not how it works. It's Go look at look at it, literally any other situation in the NBA. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Look, I'm, we're not we're not, not going to sit here and, and go through like, oh, who, who might it be? But um, I do think the NBA is a, is the wild west, and something will emerge. Yeah, I just I'm a little bit more skeptical in terms of because of how big that pool is. I don't disagree that they're going to make upgrades between now and a year from now, or I guess. 10 months from now, if they restart the season back in October, yeah. they're, they're going to make some sort of change. It's not going to be just the draft and just free agency. And quite frankly, I hope it's not because you've got a lot of potential free agents coming off the books. You want to get value for them. And if you can turn that value, packaging it into something that's more than just draft equity and, and getting some talent that can help you now and yeah. start to take that next step, that's really important. And because the Knicks have so much talent around them and by that, I mean like expendable talent in that yep. you can trade these guys. You know, like you and I, we love Frank Nielakina, but we're also realistic about what his role might be here long term. Oh. If another team feels that he is a long term piece for them, maybe off the bench as like a seventh, eighth man or a defensive specialist off the bench, they might actually say, well, we'll give you something that's of worth for him. And for the Knicks, they might feel, okay, well, we weren't necessarily going to bring him back, but we like the, the, the value that's coming back instead of betting on him or I don't see a team necessarily biting on Dennis Smith Jr., but if they did, if you don't see yourself resigning him, flipping him. Nerlens Noel could be a similar story. Alec Burks, Reggie Bullock, Austin Rivers. There are a lot of these easy-to-move salaries, especially when you consider if the Knicks use their cap space, the $18 million or so that they have, and rent it out for a year, they're going to get some value back there too. So yeah. there's enough. there are enough avenues for them to, to basically have their cake and eat it too, where they do – collect draft equity, but also get assets that they can then turn into winning now as well. And that's exciting. That's a great yeah. position to be in. I'm, I'm going to be, I'll be curious to see how they, they're not going to let, they're not going to let this cap space go to waste. They're not going to, we know that's not going to happen. I'll be curious to see how they use it. Um, it's listen, nothing, nothing bad happens by the young players on this team playing well. And uh, by and large, the young players on this team have played well thus far through uh, four fake games. So we head into the season with some cautious optimism. Um, by this time next week, they will have played what three three, games. three real games? Yeah. Let's let well. Let's let's. Uh, I think it's Indy, Indiana on uh, the twenty third, the Sixers on the twenty sixth, and the Bucks on the twenty seventh. Um, I memory say, serves. Oh, the, the, my, I usually by this point in time put the um, 
put the schedule as the, the backdrop of my phone. I have not done that yet because I have a really cute picture of my, my wife and daughter on there that I want to change. Say, move over Dolores. It's uh, it's next season time. Yeah. So yeah, next, the next week, uh, opening night on Wednesday against Indiana, then Philly and Milwaukee. And then, um, so the, the Philly and Milwaukee games are home and then on the road to Cleveland, Tampa Bay to face the Tampa Bay Raptors. Uh, and <laughs> so weird. <laughs> and then Indiana and Atlanta. And then the, then they come back home to MSG to play the jazz, the thunder and the nuggets. I ask you, Jeremy Cohen, as we sit here today, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. When are they going to get their first win? And I'm going to, I'll put myself on the line too. And then we're, then we'll, we'll finish up. Uh, when are they going to get their first win? And what will their record be after 10 games? I'll say it one more time at Indiana home for Philly home for the bucks at Cleveland at Toronto. Sorry. At Tampa Bay um, at Indiana at Atlanta home for Utah home for the thunder home for the nuggets. So I'll you if you want to go first for for one of the you pick which question you want to answer first and then I'll go twice and then we'll send it back to you. All right. I'm going to say that in those 10 games they're going to be 3 and 7. Okay, so you're you're going 3 and 7. I want to say 4 and 6, but I think that's a little too optimistic. Um there are a couple games in there that could seem like gimme games, especially against Atlanta, although they've certainly It's in Atlanta. It, right. Yeah. Well, and last Atlanta time in Atlanta, a, it worked out. They have like a 36 over under in Vegas. I know. I know. Well, they, they're just like an offense and defense team. It's not a lot of overlap in I terms just, of two-way players. Um, yeah. You know, I think that the Cleveland game, obviously it's a very different team than the one the Knicks just played, but you sort of think, okay, well, we figured some things out against them. And uh, Kevin Love and Andre Drummond can only play for so long uh, in that game. Um, I'm going to say, yeah. Three and seven with the wins coming against Cleveland. You're going over and above here. Oklahoma City and then Atlanta. So you actually answered both questions. You said you do you think they're going to get their first win at Cleveland on um, in in that fourth game, and you think they're also going to win against who? Atlanta and Oklahoma City. Although part of me is also thinking by uh, using the old transitive property. The Knicks beat the Cavs in preseason. The Cavs beat the Pacers in preseason. So clearly the Knicks are going to beat the Pacers in the regular season. That's obviously what's going to happen. Um, okay. I can't just say three and seven because that would be boring. So God. am I really going to predict that this team goes four and six and then I'm sitting here in three weeks when they're 0 and 10. Um, <laughs> you can say two and eight. That's, I mean, Unless you feel that's, like that's not what going I'm to leaning game. towards, but it, it's a I, do I, I um eh, fuck it I, I'll say they'll go I'll, I'll say they go four and six and I think they win opening night I think they go into I think they go into Indiana and they win the game why not that'd be great screw it. <laughs> 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 Well, we have no I mean, bearing on it anyway, so. <laughs> no, but it's just, you know, it's for, for pride. Um, all right, uh, Jeremy, anything else from you before we get out of here? Um, I've got something for the Strickland, sort of what we talked about in terms yeah. of spacing and roster construction, but 
um, a little different. I tried to make it differentiated as possible. So, um, so look out for that. Other than that, it's about it for me. Obviously, Festivus, Christmas, and Kwanzaa will be happening in between now and our next podcast, including yes. games. So uh, to any and all who celebrate, um, enjoy those holidays. Too many to and happy ha- Festivus, Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, happy Kwanzaa. Hanukkah's still going on, right? Hanukkah's over. It's over already? It's over, yep. When did yep. it end? Like the 18th, 17th. Start on the 10th, so... Well, you don't even it's know exactly like the 25 days ends, of so Christmas I, or 12 days of Christmas. Um, well, there's eight. Is there nine candles? Eight candles? There are nine candles. There's one that's always lit. Oh, it's the middle one. And then you go from the right. I knew that. Open. I knew the middle one. OK, yeah. I, OK, but there are nine candles. Um, this has been fantastic uh, <laughs> learning about all of this. Yes. Happy. <laughs> no pun intended. I just realized. But, uh, you know, you could say <laughs> pun intended. Sure. We always intend our puns <laughs> yeah. here. Um, uh, happy whatever you celebrate. Um, in all sincerity, from both uh, myself and Jeremy, we, you know, we, we are always appreciative of, of you listening and, and, and you know, being a part of the KFS family, uh, because there is no KFS without the people who listen to us and read us and the whole thing. So um, F happy- stands for family, by the way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't with you sometimes. <laughs> I really can't with you. Um, thank you for listening to another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast, the Knicks Family Podcast. Um, have a happy holidays, and we will be back with you with another episode uh, before you know it. Yeah.